Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay with God podcast. I'm so glad you're tuning back in and thank you. Thank you for all of the shares. Thank you for getting us to, you don't know it, but it's over 7,000 downloads now. The last time I updated you guys, it was 5,000. So I'm pretty proud of you guys for really getting this out and making it more visible. And I'm also very touched by your comments that are coming in. And I really appreciate it when you do that, because I like to hear how you're feeling about the podcast and how it's touching your lives. So I continue to bring you amazing guests because that's how we show our visibility and that's how we become um, sort of more what is the word authentic in our own hearts that we can like come together as a group and say, yes, we're all in this together. Our stories may differ a little bit, but we're all in this together. So here we go. Another great guest. So Kim Clark is a diversity, equity, inclusion, educator, speaker, and consultant. She is the co-author of the conscious communicator, the fine art of not saying stupid S H asterisk, T. I love that. <laughs> For those of you who know me, that's really, that's really Shatola. <laughs> Available wherever books are sold. She's led employee communication teams at global brand tech companies and teaches media literacy at San Jose State University. In 2006, Kim produced the documentary God and Gaze, Bridging the Gap which was inspired by her, by her own coming out story. And I can tell you that I have seen this documentary and I highly recommend it. It is very well done. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, actually, I must confess, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> because I, There's a lot in there. So I, I did like it and I loved it. And I was like, I know that I missed something because it was, it was just really well done. So Kim, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you. And I can't wait to hear your story. <laughs> thank you, Mitch. Thank you for having me. And thanks for You're watching welcome. the documentary yes. and not judging me for the clothes that I was wearing back then. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so tell us your story. My coming out story. Go all for right. it. <laughs> so I was raised in a conservative Christian environment, Church of Christ in particular. And, you know, I was raised around, uh, you know, dancing, um, you know, rock and roll was from the devil. I was shown films that said that backmasking and rock and roll music was from the devil and that KISS, the band, was an acronym for Knights in Satan's Service and those kinds of things. And so, <laughs> mm-hmm. so the whole no dancing thing in particular rubbed me really wrong because I love to dance, you know? <laughs> and so that was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, being in uh, church services where everybody sang like they were dying, like it was a funeral service, there was no mm-hmm. zest, there was no passion, there was no connection to the words, was also very challenging for me. I'm a kind of a passionate person. So I, I was raised in that environment. And while I find flaws in in what I was taught, um, I'm really grateful for the moral compass mm-hmm. uh, that I took away from that experience. And I certainly didn't have a problem with other with people who were gay. I knew people at school who were, you know, when I was learning the words and 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 getting to know them and understood what gay was um, as we got older into high school and such. I, I definitely didn't have a problem. You know, I, I wasn't somebody who judged uh, uh, people who were gay. And yet at the same time, here I am like falling in love with my girlfriend, but I don't know if that's what I'm doing. And- <laughs> so confusing during that time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I was I was taught like, you know, you like boys. There wasn't another, you know, box on the form. There wasn't any conversation. There was no examples in my family. I didn't see it on TV and the movies. 
you know? And uh, so I just, I didn't see it, even though mm -hmm. I saw, even though I knew some classmates were gay, I didn't see them in a boyfriend relationship, for example. So it didn't register. Right. So here I am like fawning over my girlfriends and I don't understand why they keep talking about these guys that are so cute and, but I'm not putting it together, Midge. Like I am mm -hmm. not making that connection at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was very attracted to uh, a, you know, one of my uh, really close friends in high school. You'd think I would have figured it out, but you know, having the upbringing that I did, I didn't. There was no mm -hmm. conversation or role models, as I mentioned. It wasn't until after a seven-year relationship with a boy who was a PK, and this mm. group probably knows what a PK is, yep. Pictures Kid, mm -hmm. um, and our life was kind of planned out together. We were together for uh, seven years, and- Everyone saw us as kind of the power couple. We were starting Sunday night, you know, services for young adults. And I was teaching. I ran the art club, uh, the drama club, not the art club. I, I can't draw, be honest. With you. <laughs> but I can I can write skits. And I was doing videos at the time, I, you know, uh, in high school and in um, uh, college. At the time, I was writing a lot of skits and sketches for video videos and I would turn in for school projects and whatnot. So I was doing drama club, theater club at the church. So I was, I was a leader as far as I could get as a woman in right. uh, uh, that Dutch reformed church of America kind of denomination. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of, you know, kind of the it couple, the up and comers, if you will. And uh, we hit some bumps as lots of relationships you know, experience. Mm -hmm. We started going to pre-engagement counseling, a Christian counselor, found that kind of performative. Uh, and I was at the time uh, living in a, a house with two other women around my age. Uh, my first roommates were people I went to church with. And then as they moved on, moved out, got married, whatever, other, other women would come in. I only wanted to live with women. Um, I felt more comfortable and safe in that kind of environment. My boyfriend and I had not consummated the relationship. Here we are, you know, together seven years. So basically most of our twenties and, you know, cause I'm a good Christian girl, yeah. you know, you wait, you wait for marriage. He hadn't mm -hmm. proposed. And so I was doing my duty <laughs> and uh, he was having a much harder time than I was. I bet so. But, <laughs> But here's the thing. I didn't know. I thought I was just being a good Christian girl. Yes. I didn't know I was just in the wrong relationship. Because right. Right. I loved him. I absolutely loved him. I loved him as far as I could. It mm -hmm. wasn't until a new roommate moved in. Uh -uh. <laughs> as she's like taking her lamp into her new bedroom and she's walking down the hallway in those 501 jeans <laughs> that I'm getting ready for work and I see her. And mm. walking away in those 501 jeans and I am getting dressed for work. And I walked in to the closet ah. to get my belt. Innocent. Okay. Right. But right. boy, is that an analogy? Is yes. that a metaphor? I walked into the closet to get my belt after I had this like kind of quasi stroke of a crush. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in it was quite instant. And I'm like, what? I'm standing in the closet talking to myself now going, what is going <laughs> on? What is happening right now? Ugh. And um, then as I get to know her as a new roommate, we become friends. She's super active. I start spending more time with her. I start developing feelings for her. I'm 28 years old, Midge. Mm -hmm. I'm 28 years old. I've been with my boyfriend. We have all the whole plan laid out. Yeah. We're in pre-engagement counseling. And then I start developing fe uh, feelings for my roommate who has never been with women. I've never been with women. I just had these super crushes that I can now look back on in high school and say, oof, I missed the signs. But that mm -hmm. started my spiral mm. because my mom was in Colorado. I was in California and I called her when I started to struggle like really internally struggle because mm -hmm. the roommate started to have feelings back, started to show interest. I am, how do I get out of this relationship? Do I get out of this relationship? Do I pursue this other one? I, I really started to spin and struggle to the point where I got into a depression mm 
Mm. I question if God still loved me. Um, Cause I kept saying, I'm fine with other people who are gay, but I had different rules for myself mm-hmm. because I didn't picture myself in mm. that, you know, having a relationship with another woman because uh, everything was laid out for me. I was following the rules I was doing as I was taught mm-hmm. and told throughout my life. So why would there's this be happening? Is this a phase? You know, all the things start to come up. Is this a lifestyle choice? All the things that you're accused of, right? Right. Um, and it was this inner turmoil that lasted for months mm. and I got more and more into a depression and I did start to have suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. And my mom, uh, who was the one that chose to, to raise me in the, in the Christian environment, the devout Christian herself, uh, same with my sister, my younger sister, who was by now married to, or soon to be married to a musician of a church. Um, so she's steeped in it as well. My mom just heard the struggle. Mm-hmm. She heard her daughter in pain, mm-hmm. even though it was about something she didn't understand that she was scared about. Sure. Yeah. She didn't you know, want this for me, right? It mm-hmm. was a surprise to her, all the things, but she didn't put her stuff on me. during this particular time it was the she did the right thing Mm -hmm. so she was there for me talking me through things talking me down getting me helping me get into counseling all that kind of stuff i went out and visited her you know um we did lots of walks and talks and and all of that she just listened to me she was there for me she did she was she was like the best mom possible considering the situation and i didn't know until much later that she had been doing her own work on the side. So she was reading like Mel White's Stranger at the Gate. Mm. She was getting involved in PFLAG, parents, friends, and family members of gays and lesbian uh, folks, you know, and there's chapters all over the country. And she started to do doing her own work. She did not put her lack of understanding on me. She didn't put her image of my life from her perspective on me. She saw me for where I was and was present for me through that. Bless Um, her. It was, it was a remarkable, you know, and, and, and one of the first things that she did say to me, honestly, was like, can you not tell anybody because I don't want you to get hurt? Uh Well, I didn't follow that advice for that long, Mitch, because as you know, I made a documentary. (laughs) did. You kind of put it out there, girl, in a really big way. Yeah. But what I'm a really good daughter, me, but I didn't listen to my mom. Yeah, <laughs> but what actually turned me around is that I had the wherewithal because of my mom's support. And not everybody gets that support. I'm very, mm-hmm. very aware of that. Um, and I was adult. I was out of the home and I was right. had my own financial independence. And so I was able to make choices for myself. Yeah. But what turned me around was the reminder of this really silly poster I had in my bedroom when I was second grade, maybe. It was this poster on the wall and it had a picture of this troll on it. And then next to the troll, it says, God don't make no junk. Ah, So grammatically incorrect, but boy, (laughs) did it hit me to the core. (laughs) That's that's our new Bible verse. (laughs) I'm sure it's in there. (laughs) It made all the difference me so i started laughing when i started when i thought about the troll and the saying on the poster i started laughing in i was crying at the time and i started laughing because i felt it was a divine download mm-hmm. it was a i made you mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. are you doing questioning how i made you mm-hmm. and i have plans for you this mm-hmm. is a part of your story this is a part of your testimony you know, you, you are responsible for embodying and being a physical representation of my love. And Mm -hmm. this is how I've made you what, why, this is not a, like a design flaw, you know, and that helped me understand that there are rules that some congregations and denominations and belief systems create that actually are not from the divine. Mm Mm-hmm. So I started to expand my experience of spirituality. I am still very steeped in spirituality and I still have core Christian principles that I live by. I pray, for example, I do use the word God. Um, I don't have 
You know, there's a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community, Midge, you've probably talked to that really struggle with that term. And I can, I really genuinely understand that struggle. Mm -hmm. And whenever I speak from a pulpit, my mentor, Reverend Deborah L. Johnson, when she was running her center in her light ministries, sometimes when she would be called away to go speak in Los Angeles or wherever, I would step in for her and I would acknowledge that, you know, because as we know, there's been a lot of pain and trauma um, created by the church unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. That is, has nothing to do with God. And, and although we, we often can associate that term God, um, with that pain and rightfully so, but yes. I, I've come to a place where I'm okay with the word God. I do use it interchangeably with great spirit, spirit, um, as well as universe yeah. source. I use that, that, that feels very resonant to me mm-hmm. is the use, use the word source. So mm-hmm. yeah, I came out of it and I'm really glad because once I started making the documentary and showing it around the country for over two years, it really came in handy when people would walk up to me after watching the movie um, and say that I'm going to hell mm. to my face. You know, mm. um, it helped me feel grounded because as I'm really solid and feeling and knowing who I am mm-hmm. um, from that uh, experience of who I am in my identity, not only in my sexual identity, but in my spiritual identity. Mm-hmm. So I am standing on solid ground when it comes to that. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad for you. I'm, you know, that that whole point about the word God is, is something that the church did by misinterpreting the scriptures and passed it down and passed it down and made sure that people remembered that if you go along with the sin, you're also a sinner. And so all of the people in the church who were taught that homosexuality is a sin, if they then agree with it or go along with it, now they're in the lake of fire with us. And so it's going to take so much time, I think, to to open the minds of people who are scared to death that mm-hmm. they were going mm-hmm. along with something that was taught to them. And and that's why some people don't like the podcast title, Gay with God, because it has the word God. And mm-hmm. I, I explain to people as often as I can that this is not um, a word that I think everybody has to use. I don't think anybody has to use any words, really. And I also used creator of all that is. Source was m- one of my mm-hmm. favorite ones during the yeah. my walking away from church. But when I was finally able to work through my own fears and reclaim the word God, knowing that I'm not an abomination to God, that's when the name of the podcast was like, you can be gay with God. You can mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wanted to reclaim it for myself. Um, and I'm okay if people don't use it. You know, I'm okay that people still feel kind of squeamish about it. And we all do from time to time. You know, those old wounds pop back up, especially during elections, especially during all the yeah. kakawaka that's going around in the school system. I was just telling you, you know, before we came on that your documentary is so well done. And in it, there was great advice about you probably can't talk to your family first, but go to a guidance counselor. And now look at what some of the states have done with taking that that resource from kids that if you go to your favorite teacher, if you go to your guidance counselor in some States now that that can be a problem for the administration and the teachers. And it's ridiculous that we are taking freedom of speech away from people and penalizing other people for helping a child. It's just a thousand percent. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So we have a long way to go. I see another Mm -hmm. documentary in your future. (laughs) (laughs) I have been asked, like, let's follow up with people to see where they are Ah, now. That's cool. Yeah. 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 And, and just, you know, dealing with, dealing with all of the changes in legislation and things that are, that we need to pay attention to, you know, politically, I'm not a political person by nature. And yet I do believe in equal and equitable rights, and I do believe that we have been maligned far too long. And I, you know, I do speak out all the time, um, but I just can't stand the subversiveness of politics. It just drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, and but that was amazing. one of the genesis for doing the documentary. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the idea came at a time when there was this, uh, like Jerry Falwell and that mm-hmm. that kind of ilk of people who were weaponizing their words and weaponizing scripture 
to demonize Christians um, who didn't have a face and they didn't have a mic. They didn't have, mm -hmm. we didn't have podcasts and social media back right. then. Right. That's right. In 2005, mm -hmm. you know, when we, when we shot the documentary, there wasn't this kind of democracy of, of perspectives and experiences and the, and the, the permission to share your stories like mm -hmm. there is now mm -hmm. the access on YouTube, people telling their stories, et cetera. So at this time, in that time frame, it was very controlled and so that was the whole point of making the documentary is to give the, give voice and face to these others that were being talked about these Christians. It's like, well, all right, let's talk to these Christians. Let's talk about the benefits and the consequences of coming out and living your authentic self as God designed you mm -hmm. and kind of demystifying. I didn't know it at the time, but kind of demystifying the exclusive language that was you that was controlling the narrative you know mm -hmm. that whole idea of like you're this is a choice this is a lifestyle we directly address that through mm -hmm. the interviews the subjects mm -hmm. in the movie and i didn't know that at the time i'm actually just now making this connection midge <laughs> that, <Yay. laughs> that then i was actually start that's when i started my work and what i'm doing today around diversity equity and inclusion what's the role of the communicator and content creator is like we have to look at the language that we use that's reinforcing systems that it's not working for everybody and it's actually harmful and aggressive. Mm -hmm. So huh, I didn't <laughs> I had not put that together until hey, right you. now, but I was doing <laughs> that back at the doing the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were being trained for the next step. Isn't it funny oh, that oh. we never know we're being pulled down a path and something <laughs> seems so irrelevant or just completely off the mark. I've told people that I'm a professional hummingbird because I just kind of <laughs> flit. I flip from thing to thing and I never, I just go where I feel led to go. And I, I learned in spiritual direction that that's called a calling. And apparently <laughs> I have listened to calls my whole entire life and had no idea that God and I were communicating all those times, <laughs> but I go wherever I'm led. I get there. I do whatever I'm supposed to do. And it looks so random. And I'm yeah. thinking, I have no direction. Oh, yes, I do. I have the direction mm -hmm. to be called and I'm saying yes to those calls. And I wind up being where I need to be. And when I look behind me, it's like, wow, boy, that turned out great. <laughs> well, guess mm -hmm. why? Because we listen to the call and we get we get pulled to where we need to be next. Totally. And my mentor, I mentioned her before, Reverend Deborah L. Johnson, she talks about God wastes nothing. Mm. Mm. universe source the challenges and relationships jobs up and down the housing situation the health situation whatever it may be i have pulled stuff that happened to me when i was 16 forward to, to now you know i have yes. pulled like like i've become qualified by lived experience yes. into a professional experience like i can i can point and touch and look at and say I, as testimony, if you will, that source wastes nothing. Mm -hmm. that's you right. never know what you're learning in, in, and that's going to help you and help others mm. someday, some way. Mm -hmm. You know, Wayne, Wayne Dyer used to say that, you know, he, so I said, are you writing another book? And he says, well, I am, I'm preparing for a presentation right now and it might turn out to be a book. He said, I never know. He said, I, I go in the direction that I feel led to go. And then sometimes I use it for a book and sometimes it's for a presentation. Sometimes I'm going to be apparently using it for something later that I have no idea what it is. <laughs> because Great point. He Great just point. continues to move forward and, and follow. He always followed his inspiration is what he said. Cause mm. Inspiration really means, you know, if you feel inspired, then you're in spirit. And so mm -hmm. that way that if you're following your inspiration um, or your enthusiasm, enthos is God. And so all of that's intertwined. And I thought, how beautiful is that? That if I live an inspired, enthusiastic life and be there present, then I'm always on the path that I need to be, whether I know it or not. Mm -hmm. And I think inspire of Latin roots, if I'm not mistaken, has to do with like breath, Ooh. Breathing, breathing into. Mm. See, and that's beautiful. <sighs> breathing life into. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and creation is just, is just that, that 
the life of breath, the breath of life was breathed into all of us. And we are all spiritual beings, whether people identify that as God or, or spirit or who, mm -hmm. whomever. Um, mm -hmm. we're all, we're all here together trying to make this through. And who was it? Ram Dasse. We're all just here walking each other home. Oh, that's beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I love that image. If we'd all just be able to get, get together, people. <laughs> Let's all get together. That's right. We're, we're well, that's, taking a journey way back, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And and that's something that I have really um, been going back to source waste nothing. Mm. The fact that I have this background and this context and being in different Christian denominations has been exponentially influential in how I help people navigate through these more political times when mm. it's white evangelical churches who are crossing the line and having politics within their sermons and saying, mm. you have to vote this particular way. Otherwise right. you're not living life for Jesus. And mm. it includes what over 300 anti LGBTQ plus legislation mm. specifically targeting transgender individuals. And, mm -hmm. and so much of it is the momentum and the allegiance is from churches, Christians. Mm -hmm. And so having that experience, I can speak the language. Like one of the things I do for clients is I write custom inclusive communications guides. Mm -hmm. And that is something that, well, content creators and communicators can use to make sure that they don't say any anything stupid and exclusive. Mm -hmm. But it's also helpful for, you know, supervisors and managers and just people in general to say, this is our shared agreement on what our language is that's going to demonstrate respect Good above and beyond. Well, one client that I put together an inclusive communications guide for is actually related to church, Presbyterian church. Mm -hmm. And so they specifically hired me because I talked about, well, hey, you know, I've got this spiritual background. I have this Christian upbringing. I know Presbyterian churches. I know where you stand politically as well. And there's a whole section. That's why I do custom guides because one size does not fit all. But there's a specific section that's on the language of the church that can create exclusivity. Like you were talking about lake of fire. Mm -hmm. uh, there's other forms of uh, uh, walking into the lion's den, uh, the blood of the lamb. There's these terms that actually, if you're not, you know, on the in group of Christianity or scripture, you don't know what those things mean. And most of them sound pretty freaking violent. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And it's like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. That's this right. Going on with like lakes of fire going on, you know? And so yeah. how are we inclusive? How do we, mm -hmm. how do we make sure that there's a connection mm -hmm. um, and that we're not getting in the way of that connection by creating a language that creates an us versus them? Because what it all comes down to and what I've learned in my broader understanding of spirituality is it just comes down to oneness and the the and it's we're just all on these individual paths of what does that mean for me and what I can bring to the world and how I can serve the world um and and what what does that look like what does you know if you truly believe in oneness then you you wouldn't be a pastor at an evangelical church saying vote this way that is actually creating exclusion and all the way to death for indiv transgender individuals, LGBTQ right. plus individuals. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't do that if you believed in oneness. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the divisiveness that we're experiencing right now is actually counterproductive and antithetical to the whole point and purpose of if we truly have the heart of Jesus, if you will. And I'll right. use that church language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the church language for the Episcopalians, you know, what they're trying to do is to actually change. Uh, they, there's a book of common prayer that basically is just a book of the Eucharist services and, you know, daily mm -hmm. devotions and, and then special occasions and all that. And um, they're, they're wanting to be more I guess, gender affirming to where instead of saying God, mm -hmm. the father or yeah. he using God instead of he 
and and taking the pronouns out and just referring to who we're referring to. Mm -hmm. And those changes, as with everything that happens in in our world, it takes a very long time and Mm -hmm. discussions. But I love that it's going in that direction to be less patriarchal and open it up to people who also have been wounded by a male figure and right. and also knowing god the father is the one that was so abusive in the churches toward you know gay people and so i i love that direction that once they were able to get themselves together mainly uh, in the broader diocese to say that we are inclusive for gay people lgbtqia plus spectrum yes you can have the you know, bishops and women and, you know, all of that came together. And yet there's still antiquated, you know, pronouns in the Book of Common Prayer that can still be divisive. Um, and and people are just so <laughs> caught up. on. But Jesus said, this is how you pray, God the Father. Well, yeah, when you, you know, finally made him give you a prayer because he wasn't really <laughs> that wasn't what he was about. He didn't. He wasn't going to just give you a prayer. He didn't think you needed a prayer. But okay, if you want a prayer, here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. they identified as with the Father. Not that I mean, God is a creator. That's a woman. You know, the creation, the mm-hmm. birthing of things. So you know, I I believe that that we don't have to gender God. No, it's like um, the name. It's like God doesn't care what it's called. I mean, and. and there was, you know, the purposes of procreation, but there's, you know, when you're an artist like God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have all kinds of versions <laughs> and, you know, look at neurodiversity. Yes. You know, you know, we can, we can absolutely talk about, you know, gender expression and, and, and uh, you know, orientation, identity, all of those things. And there's other things that this applies to like neurodiversity. I have a son who is autistic mm-hmm. now. Uh, if I was, if he was born in a different time period, he would be killed. If yes. he was born in another time period, he would be institutionalized. Mm-hmm. If he was born in another time period, it would be the rush to cure him. Mm-hmm. And um, he and he's in a time period where we're recognizing he's just another expression of God in this form of thinking and seeing and experiencing the world in a different way. Yep. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just different, mm-hmm. you know? So I may not have the experience of someone who has a transgender experience. I don't have that experience, but it doesn't mean that somebody else's experience is invalid because I haven't experienced it. This is, this is the basic crux of diversity, equity, and inclusion is understanding that mm-hmm. other people are having other experiences and if we get to the nitty gritty of the core of the country of the United States and what it's based on, where we've crossed the line is that we feel like we have some freaking God given right, like God has been used for slavery, the Civil mm-hmm. War, all yep. of it. Yep. What's the what's that speech's name? The Jackson, the cornerstone, corner the the cornerstone. I'm I'm not remember. I think it's Jefferson is the name of the author. But if you read that, there's a particular paragraph out there that just like completely hinges on the entire argument is around white white supremacy and mm. ableism, um, you know, patriarchy, etc. Is is that this is the this is what God wants, mm. and when you use God in a weaponized way to control other people, we've crossed a line. Mm-hmm. We don't have the right, right to tell somebody else, you don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. We don't have the right. I don't have the right to say to my autistic child, you have to be cured. You have to be able to communicate like other people. You have to think like, like I do, you know, so I can understand you, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I don't, I don't have the right, you know, I have, I have the responsibility as his parent to create as much opportunity for him to express who he is mm-hmm. as he is Yes, to live his best life. But I don't get to change him because I don't, you know, so I can be more comfortable. Right. And we shouldn't have to change people for us to be able to be, be loving. And I think that, I think that's the whole point. That there is diversity in everything. 
God created diversity in the plants, in the you know the topography, in humans. And as we continue to expand, because I believe God is expansive and that as long as we're here, creation is still creating. And as we continue to expand and people go, well, now they want to come up with another label or that it is because we're defining (laughs) and redefining our authenticity. It's like we were all put in a box. And then as we allowed to emerge out of the box, we're like, oh, wait, I thought it was straight, but I'm really gay. Now, let me define that a little bit more. Okay. And not just gay, perhaps I'm lesbian or bisexual or pansexual or, you know, I'm now redefining it and fine tuning it because creation is diversity. So everybody else can look at diversity and become more inclusive. What you're really doing is people are becoming more diverse and becoming more authentic. And other people are wanting to shove us back down into the box because they don't understand how to be loving. Yeah. Just follow, just follow a lock. Yes. On Instagram. If you really want to get into the deep histories around everything that Midge just said, (laughs) um, then also follow a lock, a L O K. Uh, He's an artist. They, excuse me. They are an artist, non-binary uh, speaker, mm. uh, extremely intelligent, and goes back into history, shares a lot of book references on Instagram. But so if this is a particular in- area of interest for you of everything that Midge just said, I encourage you to also look into his work, uh, their work. Excellent. Thank see, you. See, here I am a DEI communicator, and I slip up when it comes well, sure. to pronouns. Sure. So what and do thank we you. do? We thank correct. You. That's and right. And you keep going, you know, you apologize, you catch yourself and you keep going. It's just like, it happens to even people who do this for a living like me. Yes. Because, because in the age that you and I grew up, pronouns were very specific and we learned them and we got graded on them. We we were taught and they're, and they're based on how I saw you. Yes, exactly. I see you as a woman. So as I look at you on zoom, Yes. Midge, I'm going to say she, as yes. I look at a lock and I'm thinking of the photo of a lock, I'm seeing him. Right. So that's my reference. However, that's yes. not how they identify. And that Correct. takes priority. That is, that is who they are. And it, Correct. And it is expected mm-hmm. and understood that you go by how somebody uh, identifies. Right. It is their right. experience and it is our responsibility as fellow human beings to validate that experience. Correct. Correct. And I appreciate you doing that because I, you know, and, and explaining it that way, because I too mess the pronouns consistently, not because I'm not invested in getting it correct, but it, that if I'm just, if I'm writing it out, I can do it. If I'm speaking just like we were speaking and then our old tapes come forward and they fill in the blanks quickly because that's how it's almost like autocorrect that we just go ahead and autocorrect what we think it's going to be. And, mm-hmm. and it's a process and it's a, it's a transition for sure to get used to the pronouns and I'm, and I'm eager to, to learn them. And so I'm, I'm glad that that came up in this conversation because I want everyone listening to understand that we need to give ourselves grace and we also need to give grace to the people who are still not enlightened because their lack of enlightenment does not define us. It really defines them. So we right. don't have to worry about, oh, they said this, so now I'm not worthy anymore. You're worthy, period. Whether people get it or, or believe it or not, mm-hmm. you are still worthy to be your authentic self. And everyone else is on a learning curve. So <laughs> give yeah. them grace Reverend and give Michael, yourself grace. <laughs> yeah. Reverend Michael Bernard Beckworth, mm-hmm. Beckwith, who started Agape in Los Angeles, he's in mm-hmm. The Secret and has a PBS show and he's mm-hmm. a pretty amazing man. Yeah. Um, he has a saying, what you say says more about... <laughs> your consciousness than my character. Ooh, I love that. Which also ties into the four agreements, you know, which is a book that I read at a very pivotal time in my life where I, that there was one agreement that specifically talked about, you know, don't take things personally. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, how can I do? I took it personally. How can I not take this personally? (laughs) I know. I did the same thing. (laughs) 
I'm offended by you saying I can't, don't I get, you know, and then I'm like, oh, 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 <laughs> you know, and just recognizing that my worth, Brene Brown talks about, like, you should have like a, an inch square of pieces of paper that says these are the people that um who what they think about me matters like a mm. one inch square <laughs> that's right <laughs> a list of names like everybody else whatever right yeah, it's just yeah. like it's just like you you we have that's that's the opportunity that we have right now is to to explore and find out like our soul's journey yeah. given the life that we have right now like what are we supposed to learn and express back to your earlier point Source is a creator and we are creators. And what are we going to create that is going to lead to oneness and that experience mm -hmm. of oneness? And that includes oneness within ourselves. And sure. because of what I do for a living, I look at language first. What are we saying to ourselves and what are we saying to other people? Because language leads to behavior. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it also leads to what we're going to do next as far as behavior, but also what we feel like we're capable of. So mm. if I wake up and I say, and I've, I've done this far too often in my life, I suck at math. Well, if I put it out there at the universe that I suck at math, I'm really going to continue to suck at math. I believe that the energy behind what we say, if I say I am, those are creation words. Because what did God say to Moses? Who are you? I am who I am. Yeah. Well, hello. So let's throw out the word God and Father and He, I am. We just need to call the energy of mm -hmm. God, I am, and be done with it. But if I say those words, whatever follows that is what I've cemented into my consciousness. And then it's going to be in my behavior and my expectation of what I do next. I am healthy. I am well. I am happy. Mm -hmm. I am invested, whatever. My, my I am's have to be really clear or I am floundering and then I'm floundering. Yeah. We are creators. Yes. And language. I, I'm so glad that you are doing what you're doing because language is so important. Have you seen the research of, of putting like flowers and things in water and then labeling them something negative and it yes, really I makes have. the difference. Yes. And I showed it to my daughter when she was younger. I said, I want you to see this experiment. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, I, I found a video with a family with young daughters who were a part of the experiment. And so I wanted her to see herself in this experiment. Mm -hmm. And I showed her like, look at this, like label of this water. I think they had rice in it. And mm -hmm. it was like, you know, joy, love, you know, and then the other ones where it was hate and mm -hmm. criticism, et cetera. And I, you know, showed her the results of the experiment. And I think, yeah, I wanted to give her, she's a visual thinker and I try to find ways to reach her in that way. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm Temple Grandin has a new book called the visual thinker. I think it's called uh, the visual thinker or visual design. It's something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and te it's Temple Grandin. And I saw her speak and she was talking about, you know, there's people who think in words, there's people who think in patterns like mathematicians and mm. musicians, and there's people who think in pictures and images. Mm. So I'm words because I like to teach. That's my jam. And um, my daughter, she's an artist. Mm. It's visual. So I try to paint pictures for her. And when she saw the results of that experiment, it had it gave her an opportunity to imprint mm. and have her feel empowered that she can control her words, that it's up to her. We even wrote a book called My Box when she was Aww. super young. And Aww. it talked about, I mean, she didn't get it at the time. She was like seven, you know, and she mm -hmm. did the illustrations. I wrote the story and it's all about this kid who has this box and managing the box. And there's other people's stuff in this box. Where'd this stuff <laughs> come from? It's overflowing and busting through. And what 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 is this? I, this isn't mine. This isn't mine. This isn't mine. And the whole analogy, the whole the whole point of the story is to mind your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, others are going to come in and and they're going to contribute. So if you're not, you know, living your life, then other people will live it for you. And so it's just a matter of like, what it first starts with the mind. And so understanding that everything is energy. 
Yep. You know, everything is energy. And what are you putting out? You as a creator, if you listen to indigenous communities, their message over and over again is that we've got to stop destroying. Yes. That it's our spiritual calling to be creators. And so life happens through us, not to us. We think it happens to us like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, this, I, you know, this thing happened to me, but mm-hmm. we can control that response. Mm-hmm. If yes. we can get to response, sometimes it's a reaction. That's no lie, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're human beings having a spiritual experience. So yes. it's like, but, 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 hap- but life happens through us. So where, mm-hmm. where are we grounded and holding on, especially during this extremely turbulent time? Mm-hmm. So while people are giving the, this, these visuals of fear and cre- wanting to, to destroy and have divisiveness, we do have control over our own minds mm-hmm. and therefore our language and therefore our subsequent actions. Yes. Well said. Yes. And I also believe that when when we say certain things, we can also draw some of this calamity to us. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like the energy that we put out um, can match us. And mm-hmm. that's why when you're having a crappy day and you claim it as a crappy day, that more crappy things will appear. <laughs> it's like, fun, you know, the, the, and you're going to look for those evidence. You, yeah. you will look yeah. for and you will complete the picture that you've mm-hmm. already set for yourself. And it's, it's all about awareness and intention mm-hmm. and, and where to focus that energy. Yeah. It's called confirmation bias. So, and, and then some people definitely uh, can't handle peace. Mm. They can't handle calm, so they'll create something. Yes, because that can yes. distract them. It's it's a coping mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. But we but just understand, you know. And some of us, you know, what is it, Marianne Williamson that that talks about that that famous line that it's not our light that we you know we 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 fear actually our light and our power mm-hmm. because we actually because we are that drop of the ocean. Um, We are our own individualized expression of spirit. We have creative powers and energy and light and power. And it's like, I don't want it. I can't do it. You know, know? but if you're grounded in it, then you can see that I have to do this. Right. And that's the beauty of the diaspora, the diversity you know, of expressions, uh, individualized expressions that we're experiencing specifically around the LGBTQ plus spectrum. We're seeing that beauty now expressed because people are getting to the point where it's like, I have to mm-hmm. be myself. Yes. And, and I'm I've- not going to compromise my response, my, my relationship to spirit. I'm not going to trade, trade it in. I'm not going to confuse God with the church, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to trade it in. I'm not, it's not one or the other. Actually, it's an and. It's a both. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I want us to give ourselves permission not to fear the energy, because I think the church has also created that fear that you can't be a, even a piece of God, that that's somehow wrong and don't equate yourself to God. Well, you know, Wayne Dyer you know, had also done in his movie the the whole thing about the the pie analogy that if I take a pie and I cut a piece out of the pie and I hand it to you and I it's an apple pie and I say what do you have and you say an apple pie well how do you know that's an apple pie well because it came from an apple pie yeah very good so I came from God so I'm a piece of God so y'all just chill it's okay yes. and I think God is aware that we have the energy that we have and you know even Jesus had said you are all gods you know we all have that power yes you can heal if you want to yes you can do that I do believe that we are all you know equipped with more of something else there are some people who are very discerning and there are other people who are healers and you know we all get a little something a little different from each other and that way collectively we're diverse and we can cover all the bases you know we can't all have the same thing we need each other like um going back to reverend uh she goes by rev d but reverend deborah l johnson you know she's like you know our differences aren't actually the problem problem is the polarization mm. about the differences that's the problem and that's man that's human made that's not, we're we're creating we're making this stuff up yes it's not really actually in our nature that is also good 
So good. You know, the whole analogy around the melting pot, like, you know, which has been this kind of forcing function specifically in the United States um, for assimilation, mm. you know, just kind of blend in. And that has worked for a number of generations in the workplace in particular, which is where I spend most of my professional time. However, we are in the time of Jane Elliott finally getting you know, some visibility around her salad analogy. Instead of the soup, it's the salad. Whereas we got the cucumbers and the tomatoes and the avocado and the olives and the feta cheese. You want to melt all, melt all that together? It's going to be a freaking mess. It's going to taste <laughs> terrible. It's going to You know, you might even throw up. The salad, you let the cucumber be the cucumber and you let that tomato be the tomato. You want it to be who it was born to be to fulfill its purpose. That's a tasty salad right there. <laughs> you combine all those ingredients and allow them to be who they are and their purpose in life. Let the carrot be the carrot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Quit making us all stereotyped and one thing is yeah, don't make Stepford wives anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No it's more like, Stepford wives. That's a pretty bland <laughs> salad. So <That's> right. <laughs> let the all the beauty of the ingredients be those individualized expressions so they can bring right. that nourishment. Yes. I love this conversation. You were, you were awesome. You were awesome. I got you. Thanks oh, for well, doing thank this. You. Well, thank you. I, I so appreciate your wisdom and your creativity and, and just your knowledge. You know, you have such a great package that you're putting into the world. And, and I definitely see all of your tomatoes and avocados and, <laughs> I'm in California. I mean, it's an avocado. It's, it's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> so so one of the things I, I would like to ask at, at the end of this delightful time with you, when you look back at your unknowingness, having no clue, is there anything that someone could have said to you that could have helped you at that mm -hmm. point? Yeah. Uh, having examples in mm. media, television. Um, a Hallmark card, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that it wasn't demonized, you know, put into a negative light. There wasn't a stereotype. There were jokes about gay people. Mm -hmm. Just just seeing it in the world, in my world, um, and seeing it as beautiful and yeah. expressions of, of God and, and how relationships show up. So I felt like I had the permission to understand what I was feeling without mm -hmm. um, demonizing myself mm -hmm. because I, I had that internalized homophobia that I was afraid. Literally, I believed it was over months that God would not, would God love, you know, what was I going down a path, right? Mm -hmm. That God would not love me. Mm -hmm. um, was I not a Christian? And mm -hmm. it wasn't until I realized that that was all just rules and regulations that actually had nothing to do with my direct relationship to spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was a troll. God mm -hmm. don't make no that's, junk. That's right. Back to the troll. Good job. Good job. <laughs> well, and I do want I want the listeners to hear that, that that other people's opinions and the regulations and the rules does not mess with the troll, that you you are not junk, that God did not create you to be junk. God created mm -hmm. you to be part of that beautiful salad so everybody else can see us. And that's part of the journey that if you're safe enough to come out and you can do mm -hmm. that and not put yourself in harm's way, the more visibility we have as being awesome human beings in the mm -hmm. world, doing mm -hmm. our jobs, doing our thing, Spreading showing up. up. Mm -hmm. That's what people are going to start to see instead of the images that have been created. That's what messes with that. When the people of the church start to actually get to know us as us and then re realize, oh, you're gay. <laughs> yes. And and, <laughs> and and this is this and what I'm about to say applies to all the isms. Racism, mm -hmm. sexism, mm -hmm. ableism, et cetera, what I'm about to say, it applies across the board. But in, 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 in the experience that you just uh, shared, what has been traditional in handling situation, these kinds of situations, is that me as the gay woman 
I have to do the changing. Mm -hmm. That's where conversion therapy comes in. Mm. That's where, you know, you just have to pray more and let Jesus into your heart and you'll be cured. Um, uh, Shock therapy, all all of the forms, Mm -hmm. whether they're subtle or not, that I'm the one that has to do the work. Now, that's not true. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) The burden of the work has been on the wrong people this Mm -hmm. whole time. Yes. So it's the burden of the work on the allies, on the people who are not LGBTQ plus. Y'all are the ones that got to do the work. And I saw Mm -hmm. those folks show up in marriage equality. Mm -hmm. Like I would be teaching in front of 300 people for me as a professional, I would teach. And then I would go volunteer at my local diversity center. And I would sit on a panel and I'd be the lesbian on the panel and tell my story. Mm-hmm. And I had less power as a second class citizen because I am gay on marriage equality. So I would go from commanding a whole huge room and I'd walk across the street, do a volunteer thing, and suddenly I'm... I'm, I'm not to be listened to. I'm not to be trusted because of the gay agenda, which I've never gotten a copy of, by the way. Um, <laughs> I've never been CC'd on that. <laughs> Where is that memo? But And it was the power of the allyship during marriage equality work is where I saw, I actually saw the value of allyship. So I can be, if I walk into the context in a marriage equality conversation as a gay woman, I am not listened to. I am not trusted. Got it. Right. Got it. Mm-hmm. And it's the power is in the hands of the heteronormative person, the, of the straight person, uh, whatever terms, you know, you, you yes. choose. Yes. So when the summer of 2020 came to be, well, actually way more, way, way before that for me personally, but collectively from a pro- professional standpoint, that with the uh, protests around the murder of George Floyd, Mm-hmm. That is that was the turning point for a lot of people mm-hmm. to see the power of the ally. Yeah. And that the burden of the work are people who are not part of the black community that has to be doing the learning and the changing. Good. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I saw it in marriage equality. The people who are straight or or heterosexual, they were doing the learning and the changing and they voted with their conscience, yes. with their heart, right? So we got marriage equality across the country. It's being, you know, threatened now. Of course. But I saw the power, That's power right. of that, of, and where the burden of the work actually needs to be mm-hmm. is with all the rest of the isms, as I mentioned, not on the people who have those marginalized identities. They didn't, they didn't choose the marginalization. It was done to them systematically and systemically. Yes. So the burden of the work on the people who are created those systems and who have since generationally reinforced those systems to create the marginalization. We're the ones. I stand before you as society would identify me as a white woman. I have Native American blood in me and heritage. However, I've lived a very white life. And so coming to learn more and more about those privileges and understanding that Mm -hmm. I have to think of myself as that heterosexual person during the marriage equality, all the heat that I need to take and all the changes and the conversations I need to be in as a white person, as an able-bodied person, Mm -hmm. et cetera, that it's actually my job, just like Mm -hmm. those straight people sitting next to me at those gay marriage uh, panels. They mm-hmm. were standing up. They were doing the work. They were speaking up. They were voting. They were spreading the word. That's my role. So, you know, it's just, it was a very fascinating experience that is, again, yeah. source waste nothing. Yes. Because that was 2008, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 2006, 2008, all around that time period that I pulled that forward and started to see the expansiveness of that power of the ally and putting mm-hmm. it into action on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. no matter what. 
Thank you for making that point because you're absolutely correct. So where can people find you if they want to hire you to do something? If they if they're uh, hopefully wanting to see the documentary, where can they find you and how can they access the documentary? Uh, the documentary is findable through a Google search. There are places where it's inexpensive to rent. And the link that I sent you, Midge, actually, it was free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a Thank you. festival. <laughs> there was an online festival that does host it for free. So um, you uh, can search God and Gays Bridging the Gap. Okay. Now, there are other things out there, other documentaries with similar titles, but this is the OG. This is, you know, the one that we produced, um, God and Gays Bridging the Gap. Uh, where you can find me, uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So DEI communications, Kim Clark is my LinkedIn URL, DEI diversity, equity, inclusion, communications, Kim Clark and my website. It has another swear word in it, Midge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love it. I don't know why, but I mean, I I really don't. Maybe this is just like the comeback comeuppance for my childhood where I could not swear, you know, in the church and everything. Yeah. Like I couldn't even say shut up. I would say up (laughs) shate. You know, when I get really upset and, you know, my sister, my little sister, I'll be up shate, you know, at fifth grade. But anyway. (laughs) So maybe this is just a kind of like, you know, making up for lost time. I don't know. Yes, but my yes. website is communicate like you give a damn. Okay. Good. Well, um, <laughs> I'll tell this story. <laughs> um, I would use the word kaducka. Um, my favorite word is the the F duck. But um, but I would say kaducka. <laughs> and and I would say it for any kind of you know word that that needed a lot of power. And so I was in graduate school. I had met my now wife. I would go to her mom's house on weekends and stuff. And so it was Christmas time and uh, her mom asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And I said, I knew I need a new dictionary. But but we had talked about this word kaducka before. We had talked about how I make up words. And this is one of my made up <laughs> words. But apparently she forgot this. And so I said, I need a new dictionary. And I said, and remember, it's got to have the word Kaducka in it. And she's, well, how do you spell that? And I said, K-A-D-U-C-K-A. And she goes, and she wrote that down. Well, I thought she was just picking because we had had this conversation multiple times. Do you know that that woman, she lived down in Cary at the time, North Carolina. She went to the state college bookstore. <laughs> she went to the Carolina college bookstore. She went to all loves you. And she tried to find the dictionary that had the word Kaducka. She had all of these people, oh. these professional people looking through dictionaries, trying to find oh. the word with multiple different spellings. And I had no <laughs> idea she was doing that. I get my present at Christmas and I'm so excited that I have this brand new dictionary that actually has a front and a back and it's not falling apart. And, uh, and I'm so excited. She said, but Midge, it doesn't have the word Kaducka. I said, excuse me? <laughs> she, said, she said, it doesn't have the word Kaducka. And I said, you're kidding, right? And she goes, no. Why would I be kidding? You said it needed. And we had this whole, oh, oh God. it was a very oh. sad. I laughed way too hard at her pain because I could not believe. And, you and owe she, her. Mm, I'm, I'm paying for it now. Trust me. <laughs> paying for it now but uh, yeah so that was that's my kaducka word yes sorry what a great story it may not make it in the memoir you've heard it here guys it probably is not going to be in the memoir so that'll be like um the bonus you know yeah that'll be the the bonus behind the scenes yeah i'm I'm gonna have a section because my my memoir is way too big and um so i'm gonna have a special um the untold stories the things that didn't there you go. the original book. You can now but access it here. You, you bring up another really good point, Mitch. I know we're, you know, we're just going to leave this little nugget for, for your listeners. But, you know, if, if there isn't a word that we can find to express something, we make one up. Yes. That's just, that's part of the creative purpose. It's creation. Yes. We, will, we have to find a way to express the energy yes. in us. It's got to come out. That's right. So let's find some fun fun ways of doing it that's right let's, <laughs> let's party y'all yeah we let's not up <laughs> we're gonna just create a whole book of all of our little words that you and i make <laughs> i love it i, I love, love it. it too well thank you again i'm so 
thrilled to have you in my circle now. And I hope that, you know, in the future we can, we can do this again for some, we'll make oh. a reason up so that we can do it again. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it was a, such an honor. You know, you're a great host and oh, thank, thank you, you for having this conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. And guys, thank you. I want to thank you listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Kim, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. And if you're listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. If you need support to help you through your coming out and or faith journey, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how to connect with me. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, love you. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.